in today's show, what have we got today, Michael? I think we're going to be talking about, uh, uh, firstly, in Australia, uh, Philip Lowe came out apologising for the interest rate call, uh, talking about rates wouldn't rise until 2024 and how massively they've been wrong and, and very surprising actually came out and apologised. So uh, that's one thing uh, we're going we're gonna to be talking about more about the protesting in China and the opening due to COVID and how that's going to be affecting markets. And of course, I guess uh, with uh, the FTX interview of Sam Bankman-Fried this morning, uh, we'll certainly be talking about that and what's going on in crypto land. So, well, hello everybody for another episode of Trading Insights with FXT. You've got me, Tim Muirhead from Arvodine Capital and the... I was going to think of some way to describe you that sounds good, Michael. <laughs> Michael Berman, the CEO of FXD Trading. <laughs> Apologies. We'll keep it vanilla and not, and not FTX. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, now, we're, it's uh, currently the 1st of November uh, 2022. Uh, we're doing this a little bit earlier than we normally do, but uh, that's just because of some kids schooling. But uh, so we start yeah. with a bit of the market wrap, Michael. Yeah, sure. Look, so um, it's it's funny how things turn out. I was um, saying to people at about five o'clock this morning. Look, the um, you know the S and P five hundred had really just gone sideways for the month. It was just sort of obviously been chopping around. We've we've been seeing the uh, the Nasdaq, I guess, underperform. Uh, versus the Dow Jones, and it's been a bit of a switch out from tech into you know the blue chip names, and really I guess the, what the market's been sort of you know uh, struggling it, with is these pace of rate increases plus the uh, re reduction in liquidity, which is obviously bad for stocks against the fact that inflation is slowly coming off, and maybe the Fed will back off. And now this morning at about uh, I think 5.30 a.m. Sydney time, Powell actually did, uh, they, they had a um, FOMC press release. And uh, well, surprising in two fronts, uh, Michael. One was that uh, really didn't say much different from previous weeks. I mean, it looks like now the December rise is going to be 50 basis points, uh, which uh, wasn't really surprising because the market's been actually the bond market's been pricing that for a month. But yes. look, um, they did use some soothing words, um, and it certainly looks like the market's taken that as a pivot. And perhaps uh, with it sort of points to the the short positioning in the market because we had these huge rallies, like the I think the Nasdaq closed up like four and a half percent somewhere in that range, and the S and P five hundred was up three point two percent, and this all happened sort of in the last uh, two hours of trading. So, I guess good end of the month for uh, those equities. Um, I think you know the, the the US dollar, which is we've been saying. You tell me the uh, which way the US dollar's going, and I'll tell you that direction of the market. That's still working. US dollar came off, stocks up, commodities up, everything rallied, and certainly the. Um, I guess some of the tech names which have been getting beaten down, they're starting to show sort of dot signs of basing. So, look, it does set the scene for a bit of an end-of-year rally. I think that will make a lot of people happy. Uh, you know, Christmas time, as we traditionally get the uh, the Santa rally, maybe is it, is it coming early this year, but uh, certainly uh, looking good so far. 
I'll pass it over to you, Michael. Yeah, it's quite amazing how when a market wants to go up, it will look for anything. So it will take any words said by by anyone and give it that positive slant, which I guess is, you know, we, we've got a market that's very keen to, to get going. Um, let's just take a quick look through my navigator and just see how things are, are, are operating or, or, or behaving. Because it's today's the first of the month, uh, I'll just go and look at things year to date just to give us uh, an overview of what's happening. So interesting, orange juice, pretty interesting. Uh, not something I've actively traded at all, to be honest, um, having quite a big year. Um, that gas oil is, is diesel and and cocoa you can see actually a lot of the commodities here are up on the on the top side of things but just switch it around you look on the downside of things year to date um crypto there interest in the the nasdaq this is us tech still down 24 quarter uh, 26 for the for the year to date uh i just want to look at quickly euro Euro's down 8.3%. Another way of looking at this is using the price journey where you can actually see the actual journey through the year. And we'll take a look at this particular one, Brent. Brent's up 8.4% for the year, but it's quite interesting. If you go all the way back down here, um, somewhere in the early February, it was, it was what is this? Okay, it's March, the 9th of March. It was up at 65% up. So interesting how when you look at things through a, a time scale, through a time series um, and journey, it's it tells a different story just to looking at something at, at in a snapshot and says, oh, okay, 8.4%. So, I mean, this is a tool I like to use just to, to understand where things are coming from. Um, and yeah, I'll just quickly just look at a, 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 one or two charts that I think were interesting here. This is Brent. So you can see this, this is a trend indicator and it, it's red. Um, red meaning it's got a strong sell signal on it. And it pretty much caught most of the move. It's still red. Um, and these were very interesting levels. If I'm looking at gold, gold's actually looks like it's off its base and you know we've been calling this for some time thinking that this is within all the inflation talk this was an interesting one um bitcoin still hovering down here at at close to you know uh, it's certainly not all-time lows we still we had seventeen thousand. um just in the COVID era it was down at the ten thousands and last comment i, I wanted to make is on the S&P 500. This is a 200-day moving average, this uh, colorful line here. And I see that we've just broken through our 200-day moving average. Yeah, it looks like the market wants to get going. Uh, I, I'm struggling to get bullish. The market definitely wants to get going. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, and so I guess we can move on to the next uh, question, which we have is just in relation to China. Um, 
Well, actually, we might just we'll 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 move to China and then we'll get back to the low question because uh, yeah. I guess China probably explains what's going on. So, uh, you know, China reopening obviously is going to be a big thing for markets. So they've had um, you know lots of the country locked up in you know COVID lockdown, trying to reduce the cases. Now, look, Melbourne, Australia is famous. They tried it for look. I think it was over six months and uh, makes lots of people very unhappy, certainly reduces uh, consumption. People, if they're not at work, not making things, well, they can't sell things if you don't make it. And uh, obviously, you know, you're not consuming oil because you're not driving anywhere. So as China opens up, the market expectation is that, you know, things like copper, oil and just general uh, manufacturing is is going to improve and that's going to kick along some stocks and and certainly uh, we're starting to see signs of that some of the um, Chinese tech stocks Baba uh, Alibaba was up very strongly last night we saw some of the uh, Chinese car makers up like uh, mul- oh, I think one was over 30 percent I'm sorry oh my God. <laughs> I should have my notes uh, from this morning but uh, yeah some big moves so look um, I guess if you look at the COVID charts, you can still see case numbers are quite high. I'm sure there's going to be pockets of lockdown. I think they're going to struggle sort of through. But, uh, you know, uh, opening up is obviously inevitable, Michael. I mean, that you can't keep them locked up forever. And, and we've been seeing a lot of protests. Obviously, you only see, you know, you, you get one protest in, in part of the company, country and the news will focus on it. So... I'm not sure how widespread, but certainly uh, we saw some Apple um, employees getting very unhappy. Uh, that was impacting Apple sales to the tune of, I think, a billion dollars a week. Um, that uh, seems to have um, opened up to. Uh, so, look, I mean, it is good news for the market. Um, you know, Australia, we're obviously a big seller of our commodities to China. We'll, we'll obviously benefit. Australian dollar was up fairly sharply last night as well. Seeing big moves out of the commodities, um, nickel, zinc, aluminium, copper, as we've mentioned. These are all good things. So, look, I think uh, uh, the market's going to um, be very happy as China opens up. I think it does provide a bit of support. Uh, and, uh, yeah, look, um, I, th- I think overall good news. So, yeah. Um, you know, we spoke about it last week and like what we anticipate or well, I, I commented on how policy was going to be difficult to to manage because you've got pockets wanting to open up and then there's a big outbreak. And then what do you do? Do you shut the school down? Do you sh- shut the city down? All those kind of things, which I thought they were going to need to work their way through just like we did in australia and the us did and everyone did and i guess they're going to go through that um, over the next over the next year let's call it uh, or six months I, I foresee quite a lot of um bungling of of policy taking place but at the end of the day the to use a bad analogy the cat's out the bag and and COVID is is taking off there and the, you know the, there's there's a big host nation for the, this virus to attach itself to so it's going to run through the the economy and my only take on all of this is i think it's going to be inflationary I'll, I'll tell you why i say that is because i think we're going to see supply constraints we're already seeing it apple phones they're not going to be able to ship huge amounts of 
of of of stock um, because of of production issues. So China is still the engine room of the global economy in terms of production, and I think we're going to see a lot of factories being shut for or I don't know shut just lacking staff. And and then I I'm just wondering I'm actually asking you this question. I wonder if you think we're going to see the same playbook that we had in Australia that because there are um, so many absentee people from work because of, of sickness, um, you're going to have very low unemployment. So then there's that wage spiral. People start to demand extra extra work because they're working longer hours and, and covering for their friends and colleagues and all this kind of stuff. So I, I suspect there's going to be supply constraints based on illness and lack of workers, which is going to drive up um, costs. We saw it in rest, co cafes, coffee shops. People couldn't find staff, so they're ju you know you, you're just paying kids from you know with no experience, uh, substantial wages just to get some work workers to do stuff. And I'm, I'm, do you think this is probably going to happen in China? What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it, look, a great question, Michael. And, and um, I mean, I, I don't claim to be an expert, uh, certainly in the how the Chinese economy works, but you're absolutely right. I mean, that was, uh, look, a big factor in, um, in Australia and other countries. And I guess with inflation, they always say inflation is two things. One, it's like an event. And then two, it's a mindset. And uh, it's the, the mindset part that the, I think the central banks really worry about because once people have it in their mind that prices are going up, um, I need to earn more at my job. I need to start asking for increases. I know that my friends are getting, you know, pay increases. Then it's it seems to be this cycle that sort of perpetuates, and that's why inflation, once it gets going, can be quite uh, quite um, difficult. And I was going to throw say uh, the cat out of the bag. Yet the, the term they'd like to use with inflation is uh, the toothpaste is out of the tube. So <laughs> once it's out, very difficult to get it back. So that's true. That's, uh, it, it, that's a great, great, uh, great question there, Michael. I, I might, I've got actually got some some uh, China experts that I might pass that question to. So we yeah. might have a better answer for that next week. But. Uh, Anyway, I guess we, we move on to the uh, the next question, and that is in relation to the Australian. He's um, uh, a current governor of the Reserve Bank of Australia. That's Philip Lowe, and and what seems quite an amazing uh, thing to happen is this week he actually came out and apologised for, I guess the the bank's bad call on interest rates. So, uh, what that said, it's sort of I guess. Uh, 2021, they were saying that interest rates wouldn't rise until 2024. Mm. And on the back of that, um, you know, people are taking out mortgages and uh, we've seen property prices going up very strongly across Australia. And I think that's probably part of the reason what, uh, you know, made them, you know, change their policy stance of not letting rates go up. Because certainly, you know, in, as inflation started to break out in the US and other parts of the world, we were seeing it in Australia. So they let their two-year rate go. It's it's gone from, uh, well, almost zero up to, oh, look, I don't have the numbers on, and I've, I should say, Michael, I was up at four o'clock this morning, so I'm a bit scattered. But um, look, just an, an anecdote. So I've got some friends who uh, are property investors. One of them uh, 
sent me a note this morning saying that his mortgage, his fixed mortgage, which was 1.99%, just rolled off the banks, giving him a new rate of 6%. So wow. okay. 2% to 6%. And this is this is the kind of stuff we're seeing. And look, um, as Australians, we know a lot of them spent uh, a good part of the last couple of years fixing their rates. But Unlike the US where you might get a 30-year fixed mortgage, Australia's it's very uncommon to get anything past about four years. Uh, five years tends to be the max. So sort of a, a one to four year time frame is, is roughly where people fix them. And this is all going to start rolling off next year. Um, I know I've seen some ANZ charts of uh, just showing. And, and look, it's uh, it's going to be painful. I mean, you know, with, you, know you go from 2% to... Look, five and a half, six percent, that's sort of a tripling of your interest repayment. And, you know, that's going to affect people. So he, the, he, um, he, the Reserve Bank governor, he came out and he was, was saying sorry. It was a little bit of a, mm. oh, a little bit of a disingenuous statement in yeah. some way, sort of sorry, not sorry, I, I thought. But, uh, look, I guess it's, it's surprising to actually see them. I mean, I should also say in 2019, they the bank actually came out and said they, they thought their next interest rate move was going to be higher and they were wrong, it went lower. So, yeah. look, I mean, they have a history of getting these things wrong, but uh, I think they're just acknowledging that uh, there is pain in, coming in the economy and, uh, look, they're, uh, you know, they've got a, they've got a mandate to, uh, you know, look after employment and... Uh, and not let inflation get out of control. So um, that's what they're responding to. So yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting. He he, he said, um, "I'm sorry if you took my like if you were influenced by my comments um, and advice uh, as as if we don't take the central bank's words to heart." Uh, anyway, we, we we saw it with with. Chairman Powell just speaking a short while ago and how but just by his comments that we are getting close to moderating the, in, the increases as you said, I think a 50 basis point uh, rise is baked into the cake for, for December um, but there, even, even the most dovish of the central bankers still believe there will be two, I think two or three more rate hikes next year um, so it's, we, we haven't stopped the rate hike cycle but it's amazing how the market likes to to jump ahead I, I want to share one chart with you that I thought was absolutely just um, priceless um, can you can you see the chart in front of you yeah I can yeah yeah so so this is Jim Jim Bianco who I think is an excellent analyst so basically this is 70 economists that Bloomberg uh, surveys every month and they give their forecast what they think um so these thin little lines are the forecast as you can see no one if you if you go back over here no one was forecasting any big rise in inflation and you can see that from here like as inflation started creeping up the forecasts were all down all down as it keeps going up all down and the important thing to actually look at yeah here we are um, sitting above five percent, everyone. There's not a there's not a, a thin line here that isn't pointing towards getting into the inflation band of the Fed within a year. So no one is predicting that this is going to be um, quite stubborn and 
hold out. Now, we know that inflation is currently up here. You spoke earlier about expectations. I mean, if I'm if I'm doing a good job at my if I'm working well and doing a good job and it comes time for my annual pay rise, I'm certainly not going to be happy with 2% if I know that it's if and within, you know, with unemployment at these low levels, I'm going to be demanding to at least not go backwards. So I, I think, I think it's folly. I think it's a dream world that everyone thinks that we're going to get down down below into below the red line within a year um so i'm i'm putting it on it's time stamped on this podcast that dr bearman the the bear in town <laughs> is, is predicting certainly inflation i i'm expecting inflation will come down because we're raising rates and as you said like your friend whose two percent mortgage is going to six percent that's going to hurt and it will slow things down a bit, but but I don't think we're going to get anywhere down below two and a half percent, at least not for a long time. Remember, we've been pumping um, um, credit into the system for decades, so it's not going to, and it's and it's only rolling off very slowly. So anyway, my prediction is is uh, inflation will be around for a lot longer. Yeah, and look, I guess the other uh, big thing that's happening is just with you know the U.S. and the China sort of, I guess you know having their 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 issues. China yep. used to produce everything for the world. Uh, there's a lot of I guess onshoring or what they call it, friendshoring now, where you put your supply chains locally or get other people to do it. And look, it, the case is made that you know before you've got one. Uh, Chinese ma manufacturer making making the good, uh, and now if you have sort of you know uh, th three or four others, well you know the goods going to cost more, and so obviously it's this kind of dynamic that's going to feed into the inflation. So look, I'm sort of with you there that uh, inflation will be higher than uh, the two to three percent that they're expecting. Um, how the markets sort of take it? Well, that's an, that's another question entirely. But, uh, Tim, before before you move on, just one sure. other thing to add, maybe to the inflationary story. I'm just hearing a lot of commentary, and I don't know if it's people talking their book, but that the costs of going green and or let's say zero carbon emissions, um, it's just astronomical. The, the costs are going to be astronomical. The tech is not there for in, instance, I saw in the paper today about hydrogen. Now, um, they're just saying it's just not economical to produce and ship hydrogen all over the world. Um, it loses 1% anyway um, into the atmosphere as it's as it, on a daily basis if it's put in a, a ship. And I know that there's incredible costs to produce um, to, I don't know enough about the, the the chemistry and the physics of, of it all, but I, I just I think I think the story is going to play itself out for the next decade plus. It's not easy. Yeah. Oh, well, look, I, I mean, this is a pretty big topic, but I, I'll give you some quick quick views on this. So, look, just if, if you just take something like lithium iron, right, which is a you know well established battery technology used for cars. Um, the round trip efficiency that means the amount that you um, can can use uh, from charging up to discharging or, or putting into the battery. How much can you get out? That's that's about ninety four percent. I think that's the, the Tesla figures. So you lose about six percent when you start going to 
things like hydrogen, you basically have to, first you have to electrolyze the hydrogen, then you have to store it. I mean, it's a gas, it's got a very, very low boiling point. Um, so if you want to like liquefy it, that takes an enormous amount of pressure and obviously you've got to put it into boats, which you design. They're currently LNG tankers that, that they can take LNG, which has got a lot higher boiling point relatively. These tankers aren't even ready yet. But um, just to take hydrogen as the gas and then use like the hydrogen fuel cells, I mean, the round trip efficiencies, they're getting around 50%. And look, I mean, if you use a, a hydrogen fuel cell and then you take the water is actually a byproduct. You get warm water from these things. So electricity and, and hot water, you can use the hot water for other things like heating your house and that can increase the efficiency, but it's still nowhere near a battery. Um, so I guess that's the downside. What What is the positive side for hydrogen is is that if you've got, let's say you've got a, uh, you know, a 100 megawatt solar field and you put in a 100 megawatt battery, right? So basically if the sun's shining brightly, after one hour, your battery, you basically, you're going to fill up your battery. Um, and then what do you do? Well, you can't charge it anymore. Now, if you've got ability to produce hydrogen, then any excess, you can then start producing this hydrogen gas. So Australia, we've got a lot of sunshine. We can, you know, charge our, our batteries first and then just go and produce hydrogen as much as we can. So mm -hmm. in that sense, there's some positives. And if you think of hydrogen as, as like a, uh, a way we can sort of, I guess store energy rather than a source of it. You can you can put it into um, into the the pipes, the LNG pipes, and I think it'll rate about fifteen percent without too much problems. Um, and look, I, and I think I keep saying to everyone, it's you just got to think of this uh, renewable stuff as there's going to be a mix of lot of uh, lots of these technologies. There's been real no no real knockout. I think the biggest thing Mickey, missing from the picture is um, we need more storage. So mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. So um, right now, you know, the sun shines, we get wind, we get solar, uh, we can produce, you know, hydrogen, whatever. It's hydrogen, you can, you can then use it later on. But now being able to sort of time shift the energy. So we, we generate in the day, we want to use it in the night or, or in the next couple of days, um, the battery storage or even using, you know, Things such as hydrogen, I mean, there's potential there, but uh, certainly on the efficiency curve, hydrogen um, is definitely on the lower side. So, mm -hmm. Interesting. You know your stuff there. <laughs> I, I, I definitely wouldn't question you on, on any of that. <laughs> but, no. but, but, if, but, but making it is probably going to, to get this tech all working and syncing up nicely is going to take money and, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I mean, and that's right. I mean, look, it's, there's definitely a lot of money going to it. Um, now, I guess um, maybe we can have it for a question of next week because, look, it is a topic I've looked yeah. at quite a bit in Australia. Uh, certainly, we've got a lot of a uh, lot of sunshine. Um, yeah. This and uh, um, I've actually, to be honest, Michael, I've actually built my own battery system out in my garage oh. to, to run my house. So I did that as a bit of a project. Uh, I did engineering many years ago, so I sort of know well, a few things. This about. is your wheelhouse. Okay. That's it. That's it. And well, anyway, we'll move on to the uh, final question, and that is um, what is happening in crypto land, Michael? Do you want to lead this one off? It's, uh... Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I've watched um, at least a half an hour of the interview with Sam Bankman Fried. For those 
who are, are new to the space. So he's the guy who ran FTX, ran it into the ground. Um, he ran it up to a 30, uh, let's say a 26, $30 billion company over two to three years, incredibly. And alongside his private trading arm, Alameda, he, he, he went bankrupt. Both companies went bankrupt. Um, I mean, he started off and said that it's been a bad month. Uh, <laughs> and the audience, the audience he, he was zoomed in. But um, so my take on the thing is the guy's, the guy's as slippery as all hell. He, he, he claims his lawyers said he should not be doing this um, talk. Uh, but he proceeded. He said he owes a responsibility to to have the talk. That is BS, uh, in my opinion. Um, he's also on Today America. He, Good morning, America. He'll be on tomorrow. Um, and I've I've seen some of those snippets. I don't know if you have, but but yeah. My my summary of the situation is he maintains that it was all basically down to bad accounting, sloppy management, and he didn't know what was really going on. Um, that's absolute BS. There are enough people who work for the company, past and present, who will tell you he bulldozed everything. Like he, he, anyone who got in his way, he mowed down. And very little has been said about his co-founder of Alameda, who was a, a woman um, that actually brought most of the money. Uh, she, they started in 2017, and they parted ways in 2018. Basically, they didn't like the way he did business, and he strong-armed most of the people. Um, you did it his way. He's a big bet taker. Um, so high risk. Um, I think it was greed and ego most mostly that was driving him. I think the guy's going to jail. And I'll just say one last thing on the or two two final comments. I was speaking to a, a hedge fund manager in New York yesterday, who told me that he just completed earlier in the day he completed an interview they, they're building up a team in the crypto space and they've interviewed he had just interviewed somebody who was ex-alameda he said it was the most underwhelming interview he's conducted um, the guy couldn't the guy knew nothing and he couldn't string a sentence together when asked like what are your returns well depends on on what capital base he had a the, the guy said to me he caveated everything. He he walked away from the interview just disgusted and actually had no idea what this guy knew. So that probably tells you that this Alameda or Alameda and and FTX were probably run by a cadre of a very small number of very talented, let's say very smart and good engineers and all the rest of it. But these guys didn't have a clue about um, business and good practice and was there malfeasance behind um them there we'll never well we will know in time probably maybe we'll never know but uh, i think they're likely to to go to jail that my, my final comment on the whole crypto story is yeah the industry has been pummeled and there have been lots and lots of money withdrawn from exchanges. I have personal experience um, from a few exchanges. Volume, liquidity, it has dried up big time. Having said that, I think we're in the process of forming a bottom. And, um, you know, this is typical. When when everyone is run away and hates, every, hates the industry, um, it's probably a good time to be buying. So, you know, if, you, if you've got your shirt still on your back and, and you haven't been completely damaged 
probably the the if you had a look at risk versus reward, um, maybe now is not a bad time to be ex- entry, entering in the market. But remember, the, this industry or these coins could go to zero. They're, all of them, including Bitcoin. And um, they're backed by nothing other than protocols that ensure some sort of trust. Anyway, that's my view. I, I think we're forming a base. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, well, crypto is certainly the wild west out there. And uh, look, I, I think um, I haven't, I, to be honest, I haven't seen the interview yet. I mean, it came out this morning. I think the Wall Street Journal uh, did it and it's behind a paywall, which, uh, but I'm sure we'll see, see it later on. But on look, YouTube, you'll see it. Uh, yes. Um, it, look, it, it's pretty hard. I think he lost like eight or nine billion dollars. It, like, it's pretty hard to lose a billion dollars. And I think also when, when he's one of the, Things he did say was that uh, he didn't realise that uh, he was using the client's account as margin. It was like, oh, it just went into a big pool and he didn't realise. I just think it's it sounds disingenuous, you know. I mean, the, the amounts of money there and just the whole thing. I think, look, um, I'm surprised he's not. He wasn't doing the interview behind bars. I think, you know, there's going to be a a lot of public backlash and uh, eventually get there. I know he was a big donor to the, <laughs> to the, to the European, uh, sorry, US. Yes, that's right. And uh, look, does that buy him protection? Who knows? I mean, look, but uh, um, these, sometimes these things take a while to play out. Uh, but yeah, I look, I feel sorry for a lot of the people out there who lost money, but you know, and I think if they let this guy, you know, get away with it. I just think this is a really slippery slope. It's a bad precedent. They, they yeah. probably should do it. And I think, uh, you know, he's uh, he looks guilty. It's, certainly, it's the smell test would suggest he's guilty of sin. So uh, yeah. we'll see how that plays out. Now, but uh, I just want to also, yeah, reiterate your points. Definitely, uh, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum, I think they're probably the two I would be game to touch with a small amount they certainly look like they are forming bases here and uh look if the space does survive as you said this certainly could be a time when they they they, uh, they could rise from the ashes but look you know it could be a long road there's some other uh, there's some other exchanges out there that might be going bust we might not you know it, it might take a while before uh, before these things shake out but uh Certainly makes good uh, good viewing from the sidelines. Yes, <laughs> indeed. We'll see how many new newly minted uh, crypto millionaires to happen next year. Yeah, that's it. I'll be honest with you. You you watch the space. If we we still at seventeen thousand, we go above twenty five thousand. All the cheerleaders that were around earlier part of this year or let's say last year are going to be out there shouting to the you know crypto hundred thousand that's what you've got to love about this industry is that trading there's always a new opportunity to make or lose money Um, yeah i I think maybe one thing that's going to come out of uh, bitcoin is that the the rise of the central bank digital currency which we could certainly talk about later because uh, that's a bit scary when you realize that uh they, they will now have control of, of every, of, they'll know about every transaction you'll do, who you're paying. They'll be able to shut down various people's accounts. It's quite scary, really, and it, it's a fairly big topic, so let's leave it for another yeah, week. 100%. Okay. And on that, 
on that note, let's wrap things up. So uh, thanks for everyone for watching another week. Uh, you've had myself, Tim, uh, from Armadine Capital and Michael Berman yeah. from FXT. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's Thank it. Nice chatting and we'll you, speak again next week. You too, Michael. Thank you. See you guys. Bye-bye.